hello, hello, and welcome to the 10-Minute Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Stefan. Thank you so very much for checking us out. Wow, the draft happened, the NBA awards happened. I know I promised I was going to drop a draft recap, but so much happened right after that. I just felt like, you know, I might as well just smush this all into one. Let's get down to it. I'm going to say this. I want to start this podcast off with a genius idea that I think would forever change the NBA and how the draft happens. What happened if we made a rule that said you could not trade your draft picks away in terms of giving them and they're no longer yours? The only thing you could do with another team would be to change places in the draft. So say you have a number one draft pick and you want to move down. That's totally fine. But in order to compensate for that, maybe you that means that in you know, another draft round, say maybe round two, then you flip places in 2015 or 2020 you know, 32 or whatever. I think that would make things super interesting because then you wouldn't have teams that go years without having a draft pick because they trade them a whole way or years where you have people that stockpile all these draft picks and they get a, you know, pick seven players in two rounds when you know that they only have three roster spots available. I think that actually would be a really smart idea, and it would go to show um, not only players but coaches and GMs how much are people worth, you know? How well can you draft? I think that's something that Golden State's been really good at. That's something that the Spurs have been, you know, good at in years past with getting Kawhi um, for the George Hill trade, things like that. Um, It really would go to show, you know, how good are these players, and you can't just, you know, going straight up trading for Kawhi, you know, isn't going to trade away your draft picks. You're still going to be able to draft every single year. It just changes the position. So you still have the availability to draft guys, but maybe that just means that all of your spots are in the lower half of the draft, which means you have to do be better at evaluating quality of talent and what fits with the system that you're trying to run. I think that would be a pretty sweet idea. It would be I don't think that would ever happen, but I think if enough people got behind it, that would be quite exciting. So let's talk about the obvious, you know, thing that happened. James Harden finally won his MVP. You know, he's been second for three years in a row and finally was able to get his MVP. I said at the beginning of the year with this podcast that I thought LeBron James would win the MVP. You know, he was a close second. I thought he should have won the MVP. I talked about it all year long. He had to do so much in order to get the Cavs even to the finals. He had to do so much with so less. Um, and the fact that they were even competitive in two out of the four games, I thought was pretty phenomenal. He put the team on his back, played more minutes this year than he's ever played, you know, boosted his average, played quite, you know, a great amount of defense, um, even if he didn't play any in the playoffs. Um, but I honestly thought he was the MVP and, and, you know, it got some weight from Kyrie who said, you know, James Harden was the people's MVP, but LeBron was the NBA's MVP, which was interesting because I think we saw this same sort of scenario a couple of years ago when Steph won it um, and was, I think, his first year. And, you know, people are coming out and saying that, you know, Steph won the MVP vote, but whenever you looked at when NBA players are voting on it, they all voted James Harden as the MVP. So kind of interesting to, to see that, what 
guys in the NBA think, you know, who they think should win the MVP versus who people in the media and the storyline and the, you know, all that sort of stuff that people make happen. That's always interesting. So my vote still goes to LeBron. Congratulations, James Arden. However, uh, for finally picking up your MVP, which leads us to a very interesting, and we've been talking, you know, people have been talking about this in the media all week. This is going to be really interesting 30 for 30. Whenever you have Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, they all were on the same team. They all won MVPs. And finally, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder traded away James Harden because they didn't want to pay $4 million over about five years. And that's going to be a really interesting 30 for 30 to watch, especially when, you know, Kevin Durant leaves, gets two finals MVPs back-to-backs, you know, back-to-back, gets his two rings, um, James Harden finally gets his MVP. He builds, he gets a team built around him in um, Houston, proves that he deserves a Supermax contract, gets his team within, you know, two quarters of the NBA Finals. Russell Westbrook, meanwhile, stays in Oklahoma City, gets knocked out in the first round. Yeah, going to be an interesting 30 for 30 when that happens. All right, let's quickly talk about the NBA draft. Um, First of all, nothing was really surprising in terms of no veteran players were traded on draft night, which I didn't think was going to happen. I kind of talked about that, I think, on this podcast. Um, I do think that Dante DiVincenzo from Villanova is going to be sort of the steal of this draft. He reminds me a lot of Chandler Parsons um, when Chandler Parsons was healthy in Houston. I think he's going to fit really well in Milwaukee, and I think it helps show... Milwaukee that maybe Jabari Parker is on the outs because I think he plays the same sort of position, the same sort of way. Um, and so I think Jabari Parker is going to be a, uh, if he's healthy, he's going to be a good uh, free agent pickup this this offseason. Um, the one sort of deal that was shocking and will forever be talked about and that, you know, numerous people have tried to break down is the Hawks-Dallas swap. That was a little, you know, striking to us, you know, of drafting someone at three you know, that you didn't want to trade them away to then get the fifth pick. It's like, why didn't you just draft the guy you wanted? Like, I don't understand that. But I guess you picked up a pick, you know, in 2021 or 2040 or whenever it was. So um, it'll be really interesting to see. I think Dallas gets better with that, um, with um, the pick that they were able to to get and get Luka Doncic. I think he fits well. He's going to be mentored by Dirk, which I think is great. He's going to help him be able to transition to the NBA very well. There's talks that they might be going after DeAndre Jordan. I don't think that really fits very well in their system, what they're trying to do, get younger and not use up a lot of their cap space on older guys. But, I, you know, they have a better coach. They have an owner who believes in them. I think going to Dallas was a good move. Um, meanwhile, the Atlanta Hawks, you know, they got Trey Young, which is good, you know, but they're sort of guard heavy right now with Kent Bazemore, Dennis Schroeder, um, and, you know, their new draft pick in Trey Young. And so it's going to be interesting seeing who gets traded, who's sticking around, what kind of offense they're going to run, because it seems like a lot of those guys need the ball. Um, so I still think they're, you know, pretty far out from competing for a championship. They're you know, maybe decades out, they're going to need um, a solid offseason with picking up guys, um, veteran guys. Um, so interesting to see how that happens. Michael Porter Jr., let's talk about that. He fell a lot in the draft to number 14. Um, I was not shocked by that. I don't think, I think a lot of people were shocked. But if there's one thing we know, the NBA doesn't mess around when there's back injuries. Just think about 
you know, Dwight Howard and his back injury and how that kind of screwed him over for his career. Um, and when a player is injury prone going into the draft and you only have three collegiate games of tape on him, that's a big recipe, I think, for waiting and seeing what kind of player um, you're going to get. Because, you you know, if he plays to his potential, you might be able to pick him up in free agency. And if he doesn't, then you haven't wasted a high draft pick on him and you could pick him up off of waivers or whatnot. So, um he fits well in Denver. You know, they play hard. They play in a good system. Um, they can bring him along slowly, but um, if I'm Denver, I might keep him out until the all-star break. Make sure he's healthy. Make sure his bones are healthy. Make sure his back's healthy. Make sure his, he doesn't have major hip problems because um, that could cost them a lot. You know, think about Isaiah Thomas. Um, so, yeah, we'll see about that. I have quick thoughts on the Puma deal, right? You had three of the top players in this draft signing with Puma. Ah, that noise is basically how I feel about this deal. And let me tell you why. None of the top three players that they signed, right, are playing in major cities. You have them playing in Phoenix, in Sacramento, and Denver. And I know, you know, these days with social media, you can kind of, you know, and planes, you can kind of show up wherever to, to, you know, uh, do your press and whatnot, but none of these players really stick out of like, okay, I'm going to ride, you know, this whale to the bank. Uh, none of them are going to be playing in really good systems right away. And so, you know, some of them may start and may have horrible years, you know, think about Carl Anthony Towns. That's kind of what I see a lot of these guys, you know, who got picked this year, they're going to have a frustrating first two or three years getting used to the league. And so you're not going to sell a lot of shoes. Um, I think Puma, kind of did a, dis- a disservice. I think they needed to sign somebody a lot uh, a lot more major than these rookie guys. But I guess, you know, you kind of dip your toe in the water before you jump full in. Uh, the thing about this deal that really kind of makes me skeptical is um, they have to get the design and the branding right from day one for their basketball arm. Um, think about the just the drama and you know, whatnot that happened when, you know, Steph Curry released his Curry 2s or Curry 3s that looked like dad shoes, like New Balances, and people roasted him. And the whole entire basketball brand almost tanked a little bit uh, because you had him playing in those next to KD, playing in his signature shoe and whatnot. So um, Puma definitely has to get this design right and has to get it right quick uh, if they want to be an actual competitive basketball shoe brand and not just a lifestyle brand, which is totally fine. So it's just kind of up to them and what they want to do. Um, but really interesting to see, you know, the first sort of rollout of these young guys shoe shoe deals and seeing, you know, what they bring to market because uh, I have a feeling that it may flop. Um, let us talk about the Kawhi Leonard situation really quick. I'm going to say this. If I'm the Spurs and I'm Kawhi, basically you have two options. The Spurs basically on Sunday have to come to the table, 1201, $219 million. They have to put that down. Say, sign it or you don't. Um, if you don't sign, if Kawhi doesn't sign it, sign it, you can literally wait until the all-star break next year to trade him. Because here's the thing with the NBA. You don't want to trade him to your rival. You don't want to necessarily trade him to a team that gets better um, while making you worse. And the fact, there's no players right now that you could put together that equal Kawhi, a healthy Kawhi. And that's the other thing. We don't even know if Kawhi's healthy. I think we need to see him in action for the first part of this season. And if I was other, other teams, I would, you know, maybe wait 
and see what happens and have him play a couple games to see is he even healthy. Because if he is, then I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at them and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, 10 games in, here's the players I want to trade for Kawhi and not just trade those off right off the bat when we don't even know if he's healthy enough to play. If I'm Kawhi, you have to prove that you're healthy enough to play. And I think you can do that this offseason, but... Um, you know, engineering your way to a team, I think, diminishes your legacy a little bit, especially when you have the chance to be one of those franchise, you know, memorable superstars that played with one team for his whole entire career. Um, so if I'm Kawhi, I'm signing on the, you know, on the dotted line for $219 million because that's a lot of money. Um, I don't think he fits in what, what the Lakers are trying to do. I think they have to give up too much to get him. And as we saw, an injured superstar does you no help in the playoffs. Think about Chris Ball and the Rockets. He got injured, you know, in game five. And that's probably the reason why they lost the series. Um, and so I think that's detrimental if you have to give up so many players just to get him. Lastly, I want to talk about this. Where do I think LeBron is going? I think LeBron's going to stay uh, in Cleveland. I don't think he's going anywhere else. Yeah, those are my thoughts. So... Thank you so much for staying with me. I know that was a lot to pack in with this episode, but thanks for listening. Have a wonderful week. 